Well, Brent is gay, and Kaylin's gay, and Clark is gay, and Ryan's gay, and Adam's gay. It's Homo Superior. Issue 142. I'm Kaylin. I'm Clark. I'm Ryan. I'm Adam. And I'm Brent Wingate. <laughs> and hooray for us for getting it right this time, unlike yeah. the last couple of times. Hey, we're the big winners. Hey, uh, so um, we are starting to get more content, uh, news, comics, and all that good stuff. So in the, over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to do is start integrating back uh, our podcast. We're going to start with news. We'll do comics. And then we're going to finish up with the remaining of the X-Team broadcast uh, bracket. What did I say broadcast? X-Team bracket. Uh, so we are down to the final eight. And uh, if you want to just listen to that, on the podcast, uh, just look on the description and we'll give you the timestamps so you can fast forward through our other nonsense. But first up, it's News Flash. News Flash. Wait, we don't do the do 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 um, I wanted you to do it. That machine broke. The, uh, uh, up first, so uh, Jerry Conway, who was one of the co-creators of The Punisher, um, has really, for uh, many, many years been very upset with the way the Punisher logo has been co-opted and distorted by police and military forces to uh, kind of take the symbol of the Punisher less as a criticism of the use of force and more as a, you know, endorsement of it. So he um, kind of got with several artists and created a t-shirt line called Black Lives Matter Skulls for Justice. Um, which basically takes the Punisher iconography and then incorporates it with Black Lives Matter and anti-racist messages. So he's got a bunch of different shirts that are available now uh, that you can purchase. Um, if you go to uh, Jerry Conway's tweets, um, I believe he has a link there. But there's going to be new shirts that are added basically every two days. Um, and the first three shirts were designed by Wes Hancock, DeMonte Price, and... Don Nguyen. Um, I think that this is great. I, uh, the, the kind of the first image that we see are, it is a, um, it's a black skull with a blood tear running down the side. And instead of the, you know, kind of classic Punisher teeth, it's replaced with Black Lives Matter. Uh, what were your guys' thoughts on this? I think it's great. Um, I, um, you know, clearly like, uh, the Punisher is sort of like an Archie Bunker type in the sense that it was created to be a commentary on vigilantism. And then, uh, in just the like 80s Archie and, Bunker. Oh, well, you know, uh, they're both from Queens too. Um, but in the eighties and nineties, he became super popular because instead of becoming a parody, he became like the protagonist and he was like the edgy, like, you know, uh, hero slash anti-hero in comics. And he's been, uh, the symbol has been co-opted by, you know, a lot of like shitty police and shitty military folks who think they're vigilantes. Um, and so the fact that the co-creator uh, wants to say like, no, like I'm going to reclaim this and make sure I'm doing something for a very important cause uh, right now, I, I think is great. Yeah, yeah I, the, the Punisher has always been sort of a character where I've not been intrigued by him at all, because I think the overall thing is not great. But um, I appreciate the, right, the one of the creators actually trying to reclaim it in uh, in a way of positivity. So good on him. Yeah, I think it'll also help potentially spin and make changes like to the future of the series as a character. And I know that like people are pushing Marvel to just overall look at their licensed apparel mm -hmm. and whether or not they want to use that anymore. Um, I mean, based on obviously all the news and everything that's been happening over the past couple of weeks, like some major changes have come from the protests. You know, COPS was canceled after 31 years, and I think right. PD on A&E was also canceled. And people are even pushing for Paw Patrol on Nickelodeon to be canceled, which is actually not like the most, it sounds outrageous, but like there's a couple of things I was reading online where obviously like it's not the great, it's like a bad connection obviously for for potentially kids, but it's, uh, it was actually, there's an amazing write-up. I wish I remembered. It's probably like a medium, I love my medium.com articles, but it was like a write-up of how Paw Patrol is like cr created like a fascist state kind of thing. It's very funny. 
Yeah. Um, and maybe we can like link out to it on Instagram or something because it's it's a it's a perfect example of why like yeah it does actually make sense that this show would be not the greatest for kids in terms of like learning things. So I think anything that that kind of helps move us forward makes sense, especially in this case because this is such a long-standing thing of this right. vigilanteism and excitement around just beating the shit out of people and being a kind of a ne'er-do-well kind of person. There are so like, many baby snowflakes in that camp. Yeah who gets so upset when an organization says like black lives matter or anything, or like uh, gay marriage is marriage that they're like, well, we're going to stop buying your products and we're going to drop that. And for the creator to try and leverage it this way right. is a very smart move. Agreed. Fine. Don't buy the Punisher stuff. Don't wear it. You're wearing it wrong. I mean, I'm, I, I always thought the Punisher was an awful character. The only time I liked him was when he became Frankenstein for a little while. <laughs> yeah, and th the whole concept of the cops co-opting it freaked me the fuck out like that made the character totally unpalatable and I'm glad that we are hopefully taking it not we but you know are taking it back from this awful fascist situation let's reclaim that bad character <laughs> no the iconography of it not him he, uh, well if I can oh, go ahead go ahead Clark. I said Sorry. he can go <laughs> Well, I want to kind of go a little bit out of order uh, in our agenda, but, um, you know, as far as like uh, entertainment companies starting to be a little more conscious on the way that they are putting content out there, uh, Clark, I'm hoping you can talk to us about what's happening with HBO Max and Gone with the Wind. HBO Max, well, <laughs> thanks for giving me all the information. HBO Max um, momentarily dropped Gone with the Wind and they're re-putting it up with... Um, information ahead of time just before you actually see it because it just shows how shows slavery in kind of like a sweet way like butterfly is this goofy little like wonderful woman and and you know it's just very uncomfortable and i don't know i i'm very happy they're doing this i was i didn't really want it removed because well because it turns out it skyrocketed in like sales chart immediately after it was removed. Same thing with Little Britain, like skyrocketed. Like people wanted to buy the fuck out of these things, which is creepy in its own right. I don't know if it's a historic, you know, people want to buy something for like historic preservation, preservation, or if it's just a bunch of shitty assholes trying to buy something in order to prove to liberals that this is important to them. Blah, 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 blah. Um. So I don't, yeah, that's, that's what's going on. Well, I, yeah. I agree. Oh, go ahead, Adam. I, I was going to say, I think that the sort of balancing act of putting a relatively large uh, disclaimer or conversation before, or after, or wherever is, is a lot of the way, the right ways to do things because you're not erasing or walking back history, but you are educating people on, why it was bad then, why it's bad now. Um, and, you know, when I think of like all of the, when you think about just in general historic like events, like you have to be able to describe like what's different, what was different then, what's different now and why, again, like we said, like why it's bad to begin with. So I think it's a good, good thing because it also reduces the confusion over people saying like, oh my gosh, like they took it down. So now I'm going to buy it like Clark was talking about. This is the number one movie of all time in terms of ticket sales. Like it's made sorta. I, no, it's what do you mean sorta? It literally is, in fact, the number one you, movie you of mean, all time in terms of ticket sales. You mean a number of tickets? Number of tickets. Number of tickets. Oh. If it was by inflation, if it if it was by inflation, I don't even know how much it would be. It'd be like three times as much as if it. Yeah. Was. So I hate this movie so much for many reasons. Oh, it's One, awful. It takes shitty, forever. It's bad. Anywhere. It's so fucking long. It makes you want to read the book instead. Yeah. <laughs> and the book but is pretty bad too. Because yep. because the numbers on it are so skewed. Because number one, when it came out, like inflation adjusted, you know, it does. It still does pretty well. But it was released and in films like in theaters, like 18 times. A billion times, exactly. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. But that's why we had to like suffer this. You well, know, Titanic shoved their numbers up because they brought that shit back out again. I don't want them to keep doing that. We have to deal with that a million times. Enough. Let's just do other movies. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, I mean, the, there's the 
Warner Brothers has been running a message that's kind of similar to this in, uh, before their cartoons. Um, that yeah. particularly, um, it's like, talks about how their old Looney Tunes cartoons has a lot of racist images. And their statement was, while the following does not represent the Warner Brothers view of today's society, these cartoons are being presented as they were originally created because to do otherwise would be the same as claiming these prejudices never existed. And I think it's a, it's a smart way of trying to handle it. Um, if, I'm, if I'm a racist moviegoer and I see that at the beginning, I'm like, well, oh, come on, give me my damn cartoon. But I think it forces, Disney. Oh, sorry. It's, a, it's a soft way of forcing the audience to consider all the things that they're watching and consuming. Yeah. And Disney right. Plus came out, their version was, um, Disney Plus's version was, um, depicts like outdated cultural depictions. So like theirs is like the most weak version of that exact statement. They don't say like it was fucked up now. I mean, fucked up now as it is then. They don't say that. It's just, nah, it's bad now in <laughs> retrospect. Eh, eh, <laughs> Um, I'm just so glad that these quickly, companies are actually making efforts and doing things because they everyone knows they're going to be on the right side of history with this shit. Like it's it's so like people being fired and like all my like favorite TV shows like some te like, terrible like Bravo shows like people are being fired for all the their like past previous like terrible racist comments and stuff. I'm so glad like people are being held accountable for it. I'm glad it's, it's all the people I hate already that are. Being oh yeah, it, we're not really losing anyone. No. So like this. Well, that, uh, I was just thinking of even on the Flash, Ralph uh, Dibney, yeah. who's the elastic yeah. man or elongated man, was crucified. But like he actually had a good exit response, which was like, "I'm really sorry. I've grown since then, but I completely understand." It was very much like a gracious like obviously not the time to be getting upset. Like, you know, you can debate the, the thing about how, many, how long the things were, but like it's, I'm hoping that people are in the, in the driver's seats of these things, especially at least in the entertainment universe, are like, yep, I fucked myself, like, oops. Like, yep. and hopefully like I'll, I'll figure it out and, and work and be better. There's an actor from that Fox show 911, and I don't remember the name of him, but he basically was like, my friends and I use the N-word all the time, blah, 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 blah. And we think it's funny and great. And I don't know how he has not been fired yet. I've not uh, seen anything that's like that's he's awful. been removed. But Does it bother you guys that there's like, I mean, really, there's been so many, you know, important uh, criticisms of these studios having this content that not just has like, you know, extraordinarily racist images that they don't like ever... Uh, reflect on but also that they they are still selling you content that has like sexual predators or mm -hmm. extraordinarily terrible views uh for their time uh and they are not they're not they're not doing anything that's proactive to try and address any other issue they're basically just waiting until there's enough steamroll from society in order for them to change it, it's infuriating oh. So the actor's name is Ryan Guzman, and he says, blah, 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 blah. We call each other racial slurs all the time. We don't get butt hurt at all because we know the actual person. We know who each other's race. Oh, geez. Yeah, like, a little gross. 17 no. layers. Sounds like someone's playing uh, along with Ryan. I don't know. His last name is Guzman, so I'm not, and I'm not quite sure if that is bearing to anything. But it is still a very strange fucked up. It's, it's kind of like not the right PR move. No, like, and no one is no no one has there's been no blowback really other than people getting mad at him. No economic or you know job wise drawback. Um, well, I think probably in about maybe eight to ten years, there's going to be giant um, educational entries to the entire Harry Potter book series, the book <laughs> movie series. <laughs> figures because uh jk rowling is not necessarily backing down from consistent uh and very explicit evidence that she is a mostly transphobic person um so this whole storylines back in the news today because she originally weirdly 
posted a tweet um, commenting on a child's drawing that included to her a accidental copy and paste of a testimony regarding um, transgender individuals. And then she decided that it would be smart to double down and simply explain her perspective, as always works, right? Like, you get accused of something, it's totally the great idea to be defensive and literally explain why you're above that and why it doesn't matter to you. Um, so just been, like, it's been a real rough couple of years because she doesn't seem to fully be aware, understand that she is a TERF, uh, which is a trans-exclusive radical feminist. Um, really focused on believing that women are women and trans women are not women. Um, I think the kind of shining moment of the story, which I think is probably more to focus on for positive before asking for comments, is the fact that Daniel Radcliffe, a lot of the actors and actresses of uh, the Harry Potter series have spoken out against her comments. Uh, and, you know, obviously there's like kind of ongoing jokes that how quickly can we get rid of J.K. Rowling as the author. Because obviously, like, yeah. from a, a positive takeaway perspective, the series has provided a tremendous amount of, I think, positive content, confidence, and feelings for a lot of people, especially those that may be underrepresented in society or even as communities. So it's a very interesting balance because you have this author who just won't shut the fuck up. <laughs> and... <laughs> And yeah, just, and end your stories. Right. Know yeah. when to yeah. like hit the period, you know, and then move on. It, Whereas you have a, like there was an actual the end at the end of Harry Potter's last book. Mm -hmm. And the bitch should have made sure she did that because she needs to shut up already. But, but Ryan, Jesus. how did you know that Dobby has gonorrhea? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it's, it's just Weird Why that this... does she care about how someone else identifies? Get out of it. That's yeah. not why. Why are you well, even part of, it, part of it started because she was. She says she was supporting one of her lesbian friends who made a tweet that was basically, or I don't know if it was a tweet, but it was a statement basically saying that as a lesbian, she was not interested in hooking up with trans women. Um, who had not undergone any uh, surgery at all. And so she was trying to defend her for that statement, which I don't know. I think it's a very complicated issue. It's a, there's a lot to unpack there. But she then kept doubling down on the, the biological fact, as she claimed, of womanhood. And that being a trans woman takes away in some capacity for, you know, you know, discussions about womanhood in general. And I don't know that that's, I don't think that's really true. And I, it surprises me for someone who says, she, she very consistently says she's very interested in this topic and has done a lot of research. And there is no limit to her access on people and scientists or whatever who understand this issue. And if you try and investigate kind of gender science, there is so much evidence to indicate that trans women are just women. I mean, that's, that's, that's it. Uh, Kaylin, what, what were you gonna say? Well, I was gonna say the positives of, of some of this, not anything that JK Rowling said, but Daniel Radcliffe and uh, Emma Watson, um, you know, who play Harry and Hermione respectively, I've just come out with some very sweet statements. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe specifically is a spokesperson for the Trevor Project, which is uh, set up to help uh, LGBTQ individuals as a suicide prevention um, you know, hotline and uh, a charity. And like he, uh, Daniel specifically like wrote a very like nice like way of like kind of refuting what J.K. Rowling said without like basically saying you're fucking stupid, which is what I think a lot of us would want to say. Um, I, you know, that gave me a little bit, like, that just made me feel really good, but J.K. Rowling's been problematic for years, and, like, we kind of joke about it, like, after the Deathly Hallows was published, she goes, oh, by the way, Dumbledore, he was gay. It's like, yeah. well, okay, why did you never portray that in the books? And it's, you know, if anybody says, oh, well, it's kids' books, like, there's a lot of cis-het relationships shown, uh, you know, whether it's the, the Dursleys, whether it's, um, you know, Harry dating Cho Chang, it's Harry end up ending up with uh, Ginny finally at the end of the book. 
you know, uh, you see a lot of a lot of those kinds of relationships. Why couldn't she show a queer relationship? You know, um, and so I, she's problematic. Adam. Well, I was going to say it's. It, I think as you were describing that, it made me kind of realize that it it almost feels like obviously after the success of the series, the movies, and the general like connection that I think she feels with people, it might have almost turned into like a weird toxic fairy grandma where people are like, I want this. And she's like, of course, here it is. And it's like, great, but you didn't actually do anything. You just <laughs> said, that's what it is. Like it just, it feels like a very empty wish fulfillment. And I, and it's like, that's why I think in general, she's really like pulled back the curtain on like, to, you know, again, celebrity happens and like people have this view of somebody and especially content creators. It's like, just because good content or whatever you justify as good content is created, doesn't necessarily mean that that person's like this wonderful, completely thought out person. They're just a human being too, but it's like at least fucking learn and mature. Like that's the whole point. It's like, you don't want to like nail, like you don't want to like pin somebody down and blame everything on them. But it's like, you actually have to show learning understanding and then action to change and I, and I don't think that's happening at all Ryan it's it's crazy because it's it's beyond her at this point so I I'm not not saying we should just ignore someone but I think we should ignore her because mm -hmm. she's she's gone off the rails and I she's not doing anything for the brand of like Harry Potter anymore like it is beyond her it's like how George Lucas is not involved with Star Wars Rob Layfield may he rest is not involved with feet or x-force anymore like it's just like people like it, it, is that we're, we're be, you created this but we are beyond that now yeah and so now it's in the hands of these other creators that are doing stuff now so i'm it, sorry we you're wrong and we're going to move on well, and it, just it, i was okay. going to quickly say the prime example for that ryan is hp lovecraft right like he was a huge known like racist like complete asshole and like the amount of content that's been created from his like open source material is like, that's the, that's the fandom now. And that's the thing is like, there, and there's also good examples like Innsmouth, which is a comic that's built around trying to break down all of the horrible things that H.P. Lovecraft either thought or executed on. So, sorry, Brent. Yeah. And we also no, no, no. H.P. Lovecraft is a better example than I thought. I was thinking of J.R. Uh, uh, Tolkien, who is like an ardent Catholic, and really hated most of his like earthy, you know, crunchy fans. Uh, I thought you were gonna say J.K. Simmons, and I was like, what did he do? Yep, he's yeah. terrible. He was <laughs> Spider-Man. Spider <laughs> we all, always, we always have uh, Walt Disney, who is like a prime example of this as well, <laughs> with some pretty like, great anti-Semitism. It was like Hitler and then Walt Disney, like they were best friends, painting things together. They were yeah, there was that when Donald Duck was a Nazi in that one um, in that one video. Did you see that one? It is no, crazy. I missed that one. Turns out it's all a dream and he's like patriotic, but it's fucking strange for a while where he's like hailing uh, Hitler for real. It's it's messed uh, up. Um, 90s Disney's cartoons were weird. Um, Ryan, I mean, quickly, wanna... Oh, go ahead, Clark. We popped into it a little bit um, with Looney Tunes and stuff. So this has nothing to do with everything we just talked about, but it's about Looney Tunes and HBO Max is coming out with a new series and they're getting rid of guns entirely. So Elmer Fudd, Yosemite Sam won't have guns anymore. Instead, they're going to have chains and sights. Like, so also they were talking about how like they're getting back, they're trying to get to like all about friendliness within these characters. And I'm like, that's not the fucking point of this entire series is not, there's, there's no friendliness in this. Daffy and, 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 and Bucks Bunny do not like each other at all. They literally sort of try to kill each other all the time. Yeah, but I love the fact well, that they yeah. remove guns and have them run around with scythes trying to kill each other. I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with I wish that, that in deep. mind, let's move on to some other news that's sort of going on right now. Um, and we're all dying for some MCU content, Black Widow being mm -hmm. like delayed and then Eternals being moved to next year and some other stuff. Um, uh, so basically I'm just scouring the internet for any sort of stuff based on what could happen in the future. Marvel crumbs. 
Please give yeah, me just, some just, props. Just, He's going on Reddit yeah. to make rumors, for God's sakes. It's like, <laughs> hey, did you hear yes. that Carol Johansson's going to be the next Captain America? Like, Ryan, that's not a thing. Oh, I found this guy, He's gonna I found be this guy on Reddit. Again. Cry and roll, 86. Seth. <laughs> Cry and roll. I love it. Uh, how dare you know that? Um, uh, with that said, uh, so Karen Gillan, who plays Nebula, uh, has come out with some comments that are kind of interesting on what the potential future for Guardians of the Galaxy 3 might be. So she says, I'm sort of thinking about the future of Nebula in the sense like, what is she going to be like now that the person's abuse has gone out of her life? How is she going to build herself back up again? And um, I'm trying to find that journey, basically. So with that in mind, what it, I mean, it, it's an abuse story. So it's like very, uh, it, it's a tough thing to go through. I think she's going to uh, confide into Gamora and that's going to bring her story because she's the time displaced Gamora. I think that's going to be like, she can be the mentor to Gamora, who was always sort of like the, the heart in the center of the team, I feel like. Yeah, I think she should uh, go full hall- Hallmark movie and go to a remote town and, <laughs> herself and, you know, have a small boutique shop and you yeah. know, develop a sense of community. And then Thanos shows up again, but she stops with the power of self-worth. Well, Thanos is only there to be like, All right, my dentistry practice is going to go under unless we have an ultimate fundraiser. And then that's yeah. when they'll have the big party and she'll fall yeah. in love. I mean, she has to fall in love with the architect. If not, it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. And then she has to give up her high-powered job because supposedly women can't have everything. <laughs> it's so exhausted. So she's like, uh, real she's women. Like, so space women is important. Time is important. Reality is important. But love is the most yeah. important yeah. thing. Have. Wait. Yeah, so who's she like, going to end up with? Who's Ryan, like a good um, architect? Adam. Adam Warlock? I don't know. No, I think she needs, to, she needs to reforge her relationship with Gamora. Yeah. Uh-huh. But like a different version of Gamora who doesn't even know that they're friends now. Yeah. And then, they, and then they've got the opportunity to, I, I kind of like it thematically, that they kind of bootstrap each other to being better people. That yeah. It was Gamora before that helped her change, and now it's her that has to look back at Gamora and help her change. I would... Um, overall like i'm actually really glad that and i hope she's not just kind of paying lip service to her character because i think a she's great as nebula and b i think nebula is actually one of the better sort of like second level characters of the mcu i think there's tons of development for her she's played really well and i think it'd be really nice to while i i think you're exactly right brent they're obviously going to have to play with the sort of sister relationship and how that grows i I would love in this sort of like phase four plus or this MCU part two to start seeing like we do in the comics where a lot of these characters really like come into their own after being side characters in previous movies. Um, Cause like, obviously they need within the next couple of phases, they're going to have to really generate interest and sort of lock in and settle into these characters that are great. And I think there's a lot to do with her. And I think her whole sort of like, I picture her a little bit as like uh, post rehabilitation Catra, like in from Shira, the like most recent Shira, where it's like she can just she acts as like a good like commentary on how ridiculous like group actions are, and I don't I think like MCU continues to need that too, where it's like obviously the overall MCU is not like super positive and always optimistic, but I do think as heroes and being a superhero film, you're gonna have constant like we got to do this. This is the only thing we can do. And you always need that person to be like, this is a fucking stupid ass idea. Like, why are we doing this kind of thing? So I think that's where she can definitely lend some, some extra bonus. I'm excited. She's had the most character arc of anyone pretty much. In the I'm pretty, movie, yeah. Which is kind of crazy. I um, love when she, in, in the last movie, when she and, 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 um, let's say rock slide, um, Rocket Raccoon are the only, um, Guardians left, and they had yeah. the whole holding hands like thing. Ooh, that's that was nice. very really endearing, very affecting. Yeah, Brian, do you want to get us to the next bit of news, and we'll go to some comics? Yeah, in other uh, sort of upcoming movie news, they have said uh, because Batman can always plan a sequel, even if the first one doesn't come out. 
Um, they said that two next Batman movies will actually include once motherfucking again the Joker. Well, you know, they've um, never used him before, so I'm really glad that they're like, yeah. you know, it's good, uh, it's good that he got here. some screen time. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. It's um I I'm thinking this interpretation has to be the craziest one that's come out, come out. I think it's under Snyder where he basically cut his fucking face off and was like wearing it with like like hair clips on Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope it's just someone who just wandered off the street like Robert Pattinson not ever working out. He's just gonna be some schlub that wanders in his Batman. <laughs> I just wanted to be some completely out of shape mess of Joker. Who doesn't even really do anything Joker-wise at all? Just some guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so like a good friend. Friend. bit of paint on yeah. his face, and that's it. Like a good yeah. friend that just like uh, he's like, "You're such a Joker," and then like that's it. It's just yeah. as good. <laughs> time. I would fun. watch the shit out of that movie. Like, that sounds great. Actually. I'm excited really about that. No. Batman yeah. and the Joker are just slackers who used to be friends, and then yeah. we never wash his dishes, and he's like chaos. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go into some uh, comics that came out this week. We had two Dawn of X books. Uh, it was X Excalibur number 10 and New Mutants number 10. And boys, uh, this is going to be the last bit of uh, X-Men comics we're going to have for at least about three weeks to a month. So these are going to tide us over for a while. And they were kind of a mixed bag. Um, Excalibur number 10, I felt, was a pretty controversial issue because it was very disorienting and New Mutants was an Ed Brisson issue instead of a Jonathan Hickman one. So, you know, that kind of speaks for itself. Um, I know there's folks on this podcast who didn't like Excalibur number 10. I thought it was actually kind of interesting, but it, I think the execution once again sort of fell flat. Uh, Teeny Howard is a talented writer, but I think she's trying to evoke that sort of Jonathan Hickman-esque like disorienting effect that he has in his book sometimes but he's got the skill set to carry off and she's yet to get have that skill set so this, I'll, I'll be charitable in that regard this is three years of writing in like an eight issue span this is way too fast <laughs> yeah none of it makes sense it's like boom he's bad now so, why did we introduce him three issues ago it's awful it is fucking idiotic and now, I don't even know, now Saturnine is like freaking out crazy and they're like, Jesus Christ, everyone calm down. This is awful. I can't read it. Like, I really hate this series so much. It's, the problem is like, I think the other ones, even if they're slice of life and they don't have as much weight as say this one does, this one just feels so outrageous that you're like, this is going to get resolved and none of this matters. And also, what? Why? what is happening but in the issue itself the dialogue is what the fuck is happening and it's because we don't know what's happening so like it's not it, the overall plot is probably not bad but like the execution like you said caitlin it's just i'll crazy. say this it's nonsense i'll say i'll say this it helped me going back a couple of issues at least the most recent issue and like rereading that and then realizing, oh, okay, it's supposed to be disorienting in the beginning. And then when you kind of figure out what's happening, it, like it's a little bit enjoyable, but like it took a couple of tries to get there. Adam, you're gonna say something? Yeah, it reminds me a lot of I was as you guys were talking, I originally in my head, I think when we were chatting on Slack, I was it reminded me a lot of the resurrection storylines, where it's exactly what you said, Ryan, which is like not there's no stakes and none of it's actually going to end up mattering. And in particular, what this really feels like, I think, is almost the Mother Vine storyline from X-Men Blue, where it was like, this could have probably been really cool if it was like planned over a series of issues and connections and there was actual character development. Instead, everything is narrative and none of these characters matter nor sound like themselves. Um, and so it just feels like a really rushed job of a what I, what I really do think probably could be pretty interesting. And, and especially with Mutant Madness going on, having gone back and read Excalibur, the sword is drawn and some of the other issues, I'm like... Oh, the original series, you mean? Yes, exactly. It feels like it's channeling that sort of fantastical energy, which I do appreciate and like. Like, it's, it's just, it feels like a very hollowed out version 
of what the 80s series was, uh, you know, like what it could be. And I don't, and I, I hope for uh, Teeny's sake that it's maybe like the amount of issues they were gonna get or I or they were like, cause we were talking about it potentially tying into X of 10 of swords or whatever. And it's just sort of like, I just don't know what's going on. And I, I just don't care, but I wish I did because I think there's a lot of cool stuff that could have been happening with downtime because the mysticism elements and like some of the uh, interactions I think would have, could have weight, but they don't. And that's just the way that it is. I like that Pete Wisdom just died off screen <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, my favorite part is um, Gambit saying, we need to get a boat. And half a second later, they're like, there are no boats. Everyone's taking boats. And you're like, why the fuck did we even talk about boats? Who gives three shits about this? Like, I know it was a dream sequence slash reality breaking yeah. experience, but it was just so rushed and written poorly that like, it was it was just weird. It was like a fever dream. And it's like, but it wasn't in a good way where you're like, you felt like as a reader, you were along for that journey. Like you were saying, Kaylin, about like Hickman's like, or any sort of good flip on the reader. Like, I, it was, I, I, yeah. No, I, I'll just say, um, I, I do think Jamie Braddock is actually kind of interestingly written. Yeah. Um, and I think I'm going to disagree with you about it. Like the book not having stakes. I think they're building up like Jamie and whatever he's doing with Apocalypse or whatever the symbol that Apocalypse mm. is now, there's something happening there that's going to have major ramifications. I think it's a little messy getting there, but I'm actually kind of excited to see what the destination is. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's a, I think it's effect, it's ripple effect on other things is pretty interesting, but I guess I don't have a personal connect. Like I'm like, I just want to get to the actual event so we can get to yeah. real content. But I, that's I, I think I'm glad you mentioned that because I do really like I do like Jamie Braddock as I've seen him. My my biggest disappointment besides Gambit I think is actually just um, Betsy. I just find her to be like a very weird main character. I think like the way she reacts to things like it's like it just feels something feels off and I don't know what it is. But I I also wasn't necessarily connected into her when she wasn't Psylocke. Psylocke. So no, she. She's become incredibly boring and has no voice now that she's not Psylocke anymore. She's just mm -hmm. some woman that's shown up. It's very strange in just in terms of, there's no feeling. I don't have any feelings for this character at all now. Right. Well, Betsy, speaking of things that- kill people left and right. Betsy used to be a, like a murderer. And now you're like, England is where it's at. You're like, no. <laughs> like, it's such she's a always English. Thing. She it's is just because she's a murderer right. doesn't mean that she can't be English. Uh, can't that, be English. So that's it. Um, well, she didn't defend it really well. Real quick, that. yeah. Real quick, last point. I wonder if that's like they're writing Betsy almost like she's from the '80s Excalibur, like because she just sounds very like bland, like and just sort of like crumbs and woo, like crazy. What's going? Have you on? ever had British food? Okay, great. Let's move on to something else that's bland. <laughs> New Mutants number ten. Um, there's not much worth to talk about. I'm sorry to say, I like the characters. I sort of like the interaction with Wildside, and about yeah, like, I like Wildside. Yeah. It's like this is all y'all do. Like if we were the mutant mm -hmm. liberation front, we'd be kicking down doors, and like sort of enjoyed that. But the rest of it was so forgettable. Yeah, so forgettable. Nothing there. Some fun so, dialogue, it, some fun interactions. That's it. Yeah, basically that's it. Like the plot just seems very blah at this point. It was. Uh, it really. It really felt like to me. It's like a late 90s comic i remember all those like shitty uncanny x-men ones like right before new x-men like started and everything i yeah the genosha uh, team you made us read it yeah no <laughs> i know just like lots of i just yeah it's just disappointing overall but it's yeah i do quite like the art in it though yeah 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 the artwork's nice so Brent, do you want to take us away for the Elite Eight for our bracket? Oh boy, do I. We are so close to the final part of our shitty experiment. Uh, we've got the Hateful Eight. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> the Elite Eight um, are, you know, uh, as it's also known, uh, nothing else. I don't know why I said that. Um, okay, so uh, we're doing our Mutant Madness, Mutant Madness Bracket Challenge. We picked teams. We've been going through for the past several weeks, trying to figure out who's the best. You guys decided whether or not Brett Mans would win. Uh, uh, we, we've got our last eight teams. This is, this is the last time each of our 
uh, brackets will be facing their individual branch because next week in our final four, they're going to be going up against each other uh, and we're going to have to make some very hard choices. Caleb, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. So the Elite Eight uh, in the traditional X-Men team category, we've got the all new, all different uh, era of X-Men versus uh, the Grant Morrison uh, new X-Men. I think we've uh, talked a lot about these books. I don't know if there's any more argument we've got to make. Are there any issues, Adam and Brent specifically, if y'all read that you want to talk about? Um, but I'm, I think we're ready to take it to a vote. I'd like to say something. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Ryan. Um, Rereading New X-Men, it's great. The dialogue's super fun. I, li I, like, the, I like the arcs, except the last one, because it's just like, the world blows up. Oh, no, we're going to go back. It, it, it ended like a nonsense thing. Yeah. And the Zorn thing is tough because it's whatever. The one thing I need to say is the art early on looks like fucking stretched out babies with too much skin yeah they look fucking <laughs> crazy they look you're talking insane. about in new x in new x-men are you talking about frank quietly's art yes or are you talking about oh i love frank quietly he's like one of my favorite well, artists it, I, i'm a, getting like it, skin should have been on the team let's just say that because the art just looks so crazy. It looks, everyone's loose. It just, I don't know. It bothers me so much, like going back and rereading. Well, I, I would at some point like to like look at the art with you because Frank Whiteley has a unique style, but he really understands how to frame like an action scene as well as a very quiet scene. So there's another artist who came in because Grant Morrison got so slow that they had to fill in really quickly. It Igor must be, Cordy, it must be. Igor, Igor Cordy, who is a European artist and has done some wonderful work, but if you just judge him by his new X-Men work, it's like, what the fuck is this? Because he drew it in three days. I, I'm not oh, even yeah. like exaggerating. This, that so, might explain some things, but it literally took me out because I'm like, Emma Frost is wearing some skimpy ass stuff and then there's just skin everywhere. I'm like, what is that? Like, that <laughs> that's, it's, it's Igor Cordy stuff. That's the issues that introduced Phantom X. Uh, yeah. The whole idea. So that's Igor. Yeah. Go ahead, Brent. Um, so I, I actually had a question, uh, Clark, if you had something to comment on that, then I'd say go ahead, but. Oh, I was just saying in terms of, uh, um, since I'm going on character dynamics now a lot, I don't think new X-Men has as much as I would like. I do like what's going on with Emma and Cyclops and Jean Grey, but I didn't, I thought the other stuff wasn't as important enough for me as, um, all new, all different in terms of my rereading, just the camaraderie and the weird interactions and everything between the characters. I love Storm and Nightcrawler and Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, I'll so, also say this, I'm sorry, Brent, I'll say this about uh, New X-Men is one of my favorite runs ever, but it is mostly a really well done cover of like the Chris Claremont, John Byrne era specifically. And so like the original is better than the cover. I'll mm -hmm. just put it that way. Do you think there's something that disadvantages New X-Men because it, even if you don't love the Magneto-Zorn reveal at the end, it does still feel like a more complete story that there's like at least intention behind it. Less so than occurs with All New, All Different, which has more time, feels more wandery. I know it's, it's a little bit older, so it's following, you know, it's kind of creating its own norms, but is there anything there that you guys think that disadvantages something from being, you know, contained versus like sprawling? I think, I think it's just the eras that they were written in. Um, you know, when in the early 2000s, this was the Marvel era where they started doing trade paperbacks of everything and they started being like, we're going to do, you know, four issue, six issue, eight issue, like trade paperbacks. So it feels very like story-based in that regard. Uh, Chris Claremont um, basically wrote the book on this serialized uh, comic of like storylines continuing years and years and years and years. Like Stanley did it a little bit with Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, uh, but those felt more self-contained. The idea that something that was introduced in X Uncanny X-Men number 100 could be dealt with in Uncanny X-Men number 200, that didn't exist before Claremont doing it. Like to call him a pioneer is an understatement. Uh, 
which is really sad because of like his latter day career, which we've mm. talked about extensively on this podcast. His J.K. Rowling s career. No, no, <laughs> no. He's actually quite. He's quite the ally. He's a he's a he's a, he's a decent guy. Okay, sorry, I meant. I guess I meant more. Let your art die. But Ryan, what were you yeah. going to say? Um, I was just going to say. Um, I think New X Men's greatest quality is also its worst quality. It's a self-contained story within the X-Men universe. So it doesn't expand out anything. It's just like this moment in time in the X-Men universe that I don't think is, it doesn't give way to more stories. He basically was trying to do his own thing and you can see it very much. But all the rest of the X-Men had to like suffer because he was doing whatever he wanted. I also feel like just in terms of retconning, it's very different. Um, with Claremont stories, it, retconning is hard to do. You can change a characterization of somebody, but you can't say, that didn't happen, etc. With With this one, I mean, Magneto turning into what he turned was a terrible decision in, in, in the entire series. But the fact that it was totally retconned out, it's hard to like think of it that characterization as even existing because it was retconned out. And you should compartmentalize this series in order to do that, in order to do what we are doing, but just the same, I haven't been able to get out of that. So uh, I guess we should go ahead and throw it to a vote. Um, Thumbs up if you think that all new, all different X-Men should move forward. It's five to zero. Um, Ryan, actually your statement was very interesting to me because I think the concept, this is not a thing we've ever discussed about something being essentially X-Men, but giving a foothold for additional stories to continue, I think is a very, very X-Men trait. Having yeah. lots of loose ends for other writers to take on um, really is a part of the X-Men that I like. Um, all right, uh, moving on. Uh, Kalen? Yep. Sure. So in moving to the young teams, the two that made it to the Elite Eight are the original New Mutants. And then um, it is the post-decimation era New X-Men, um, which was uh, a surprise to me last time. Uh, but so these two teams, you've got an 80, another, again, an 80s team versus an aughts team. So um, what do you guys think? The New X-Men team online People live for this motherfucking team. Like people, there's such a huge and loud, but kind of small fan base that love this team so much. Um, And then so every iteration afterwards, probably myself included, have not liked any of the younger teams when they've come out. But it's going up against the original. So it's hard to combat that. I think for, to me, this is one of the more interesting contrasts we've got this uh, week because it's the difference between liking Faulkner and Hemingway. That there are two, I think that there's something about New Mutants that is inherently internal. It's very reflective. A lot of the stories are guided by looking in yourself, but it's also very verbose. I mean, it, just runs on and on. Even yeah. though the characterization, sometimes it can be a slog to just get through all that dialogue. And that's a slant, that is a new rhyme I'm coining. Um, <laughs> the new X-Men, they are, they're fun. Their voices are great. Everything is, is much more fast paced, but it also, I don't know, it feels like there's a certain depth that it lacks compared to the new mutants. And maybe that's not fair cheat. I feel like new X-Men had so much more to say. They just didn't allow them to say it because it had to go into a crossover and never, it never came out of it. Um, right. I, I mean, I absolutely love the characters as we've said multiple times. I'm one of those ones that have trouble with any new young X-Men series because that one is so good, but it, we, they just didn't have enough time. They, the characters didn't have enough time to, the team didn't have enough time. The end was literally, we, they brought in three new characters. I mean, Pixie and, and, um, and uh, Anal and some others uh, joined the team in literally the last three issues. And, yeah, and they had so much more to say. And, Anal uh, got a new fisting arm. <laughs> I also think uh, that uh, New Mutants had less to say as it went along as, as 
um, Claremont left. I agree with that. I think um, New Mutants, the first like 40 to 50 issues, um, while not perfect, had really interesting ideas. And then it was sort of treading water for a while. Like I would say between Inferno and then until Layfield came on to turn him into X-Force, it just felt very like, oh, this is the, this is the sort of X-Book that people don't really even talk about. Um, but I think it's the characters for me. While I do like a lot of the new characters who were introduced in New X-Men, uh, the ones from New Mutants are just have, you know, have just lasted longer. They're more iconic. Um, and they've been better written. You know, Sunspot, I think, is a great example. But I think Sunspot got super interesting when Hickman got his hands on him. But, um, you know, the, the core of it was there when Claremont in introduced him. So I just think from a, from a longevity and impact uh perspective at New Mutants would be my vote. Um, I need a tiebreaker from both of the series. Like, I think just thinking about the X-Men bracket, um, what from both of those, like which one of them has more like lasting power in terms of like story characters, like have the characters evolved completely different from where they were as New Mutants? Have the, like, has the storyline actually had an impact on the X universe that was in Academy X? I'm just like interested to hear a little bit more from um, you all in terms of like, what's the staying power of the things that happened in I mean, the New Mutants, yes. New X-Men, no. Yeah. That's a big beef that a lot of people have because they these kids have been, New Mutants were able to grow up and become, some became X-Men, some actually just grew up like, and they, it constantly is like, people go back to these stories and they try to bring these characters back all the time. I think the main complaint is New X-Men hasn't gotten that treatment whatsoever. So it's uh, it's annoying because the how many more fucking classes of like new students are we going to have? And like anal is still just like, I'm a, I'm a junior. And you're like, why are you not graduating yet? Yeah. It's, just like, it's, it's yeah. kind of outrageous that these characters can't move on. Yeah. yeah. I know it's yeah. probably not my place to say, but one thing is I really next. <laughs> do like about new X-Men is to me, this seems like very fertile ground to create a bunch of different TV shows, movies, whatever, that's just underutilized. So yeah. you have the, the series sure. starts with a lot of children exploding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah. People get, that's a great that's way. That's sells, great. Clark. <laughs> Yeah. Sex and children. <laughs> Have you seen Riverdale? Um, yeah. Let's take it. Let's go. Let's take it to a vote. vote. All right. Let's take it to a vote. All in favor of <clears throat> New Mutants going forward. Thumbs up. And in a Ooh. three division, New Mutants goes forward. Oh, I should have voted for New X Men, but I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> All, All right. right so. so it looks like. It looks like Claremont has secured his place in our final four, uh, yeah. Kalen. So moving on to the weird miscellaneous teams, we've got the 80s Excalibur uh, that Adam talked a little bit about when we were reviewing the latest issue of the new Krakoa Excalibur. And then it's going up against X-Factor Investigation, which is a beloved series. So I think, um, I think this is a pretty easy vote for all of us. I don't know if we need to go into why. I, I think just the just, only thing I really need to say is re in relation to Adam's question before, new, I mean, excuse me, yeah, I mean, Excalibur, the characterization that exists doesn't matter anymore. And it really like almost right. is just a null series. And I mean, I obviously don't like it, but I think that is an important thing to bring out of it. Every single characterization that existed in X-Factors Investigations has continued on. Every character has a path based on this series. Great. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all I need to hear. Yeah. Vote. All right. Uh, uh, anyone else want to give a eulogy or? <laughs> I just want to say Excalibur is not bad. And like they did something really cool. With, yeah. Like they did, they really branched out the X-Men in such a different way that should be applauded. And that art just still holds up. And yeah. There is no bad print. book. There's no bad book that made it into Elite Eight. Elite Eight, it's Bro. like these are all very high quality books. They're all winners, baby. Okay, oh, yeah. so thumbs up if you think that Excalibur should move forward. Wait. <laughs> it is five to zero. Zero to five, X-Factor Investigations moves forward. 
Kalen, the last bracket. All right, this is the paramilitary group. We've got Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender versus the Decimation Era X-Force, which was by Craig Kyle and Kyle Yost. Um, I love Uncanny X-Force, and I just think that's what's going to move forward, but I would love to hear arguments on either side. I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the characterization much in Uncanny X-Force. I'm still probably going to vote for it, but I... <laughs> I despise, despise, despise the Psylocke Phantom X stuff. I think it's grotesque. It doesn't go. It, it, it caused Psylocke and Phantom X to become what they became forever. To the point where they realized they had to kill Phantom X off in order to have her grow in any sort of way. I think, um, well, I didn't love it the way Remender introduced it. I think it got worse when, like, Sam Humphreys and others, like, got their, like, fingers into it later on I, 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 after archangel died that that became like the driving point to the series almost and it was in the when he separated them in three different pieces and you're like why the fuck yeah. did you end with this shit yeah it was, excellent. It was a little weird excellent up until the arc with our like archangel um whatever dark, angel, dark, dark angel, angel saga yeah, yeah dark angel saga so until that point and then it crashed and burned for me with that said, Uncanny X-Force does a great job of making me, everyone talks about, like, Deadpool is associated with the X-Men, but he never really was an right. X-Men. He's constantly, and he's, his rights are even tied up with Fox, which is, like, X-Men related as well. But he never really did anything with them until this series, and, like, he's an right. integral part of it. And then also, right. if you're going to make me, like, an uh, Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler as a main character when I was like, why the fuck are you here? And you actually made me like it. I think that's uh, saying a lot about the series. I think the cast works together really well. Yeah, I agree. The, and also, the, 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 uh, I was say, as a I'm person who only read the first half of Uncanny X-Force, I love it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you read the good stuff. You can I was stop. like, oh no, I don't want to hear the bad stuff. I want to keep going Don't worry up. about it. Yeah, you read all the way to Archangel, and you're good to go. <laughs> Are we going to talk about the other series or no? <laughs> I mean, as it's far as I actually, you know, I, I try to read more of Decimation, um, and I do think I, I haven't read the parts of X uh, Uncanny that really start to get bad. Um, but my take on the comparison was that you've got two different books that have voiced a lot of these characters very well but uncanny is a little bit more flat i think than decimation decimation has i don't know it has to me having read more it has more humor it has more contrast but the art is literally so distracting people are weird shapes yeah. weird there might be a page that i think looks really cool and ominous and dark uh and kind of craftian but then the next page is some weird horse person trying to, to like explain to you know Wolverine. You're like, this is this is it doesn't work. It's too yeah. distracting. Um, Can you see anybody? You can't see anybody for half the series. It's <laughs> so That's why I love dark. it. It's Hitchcockian. You leave that. Yeah. In. Oh yeah, yeah. It's so dark. That's right. what you need in a comic. Let's Kaylin, take wanna... That's probably a lot of printing. Yeah. You like that's somebody Kaylin, you have printing all the black. I'll just say, um, when they brought in Age of Apocalypse Nightcrawler and Uncanny X-Force, it was when they had killed off uh, 616 Nightcrawler. Um, and so he was dead for a couple of years. And so it was nice having a Nightcrawler character as one of my favorite X-Men in yeah. any form, even though he was like a much like, shittier version. And I mean that like he's a shittier person, not he's a shittier character. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but it was just right. nice to see that in there, so. So let's throw it to a vote. All in favor of Uncanny X-Force going forward, give a thumbs up. And in a five to zero, uh, it is Uncanny X-Force that moves forward. Wrapping up our uh, Elite Eight. Ooh. What do we got going forward? What are, so the final four, it is the all-new, all-different X-Men versus uh, the original New Mutants. And then we've got X-Factor Investigations, versus uh, Uncanny X-Force. And then whoever wins that will go on to the finals and then we'll have a winner.
I just love the idea that it's like the 80s continental championship and then like the new and improved continental championship this is such 80s a, versus just, 2000s yeah the 90s were bad and we got rid of them yeah and 2010s have been kind of a mixed bag um yeah, there hasn't hey, been brent, enough of them brent, brent did you talk did you mention who uh is leading in the bracket at the very beginning uh, of this? well i yes. said that it's any brett man's game oh that's right you did okay sorry uh, well, great. Well, we've been Homo Superior. Um, you know, the next few weeks, we're going to be integrating the the bracket, the final version of the bracket with news and any comics that come up. Uh, but, uh, you know, check us out on uh, Twitter and on Instagram and then listen to us on SoundCloud, Spotify and iTunes. All Thanks right, so much. Bye.